Ed Grady is out today. He will join us a little bit later in the show to hand out some letter grades. So Adam Candy is in instead. And the Raiders were handed their first loss of the season last night. The first bite. Is Joey Bosa right about Derek Carr? So the Raiders offensive line, not very good. Uh, Derek Carr was under pressure all of last night. And after the game, Joey Bosa had this to say. Uh, we knew once we hit him a few times, he really gets shook. And, and you saw on, on CeCe's sack, he was pretty much curling into the ball before we even got back there. So um, great dude, great player. He's been having a great year. But we know once you get pressure on him, he kind of shuts down and he's not as effective with the with a crowded pocket. So uh, that was that was the key to it. So, Adam, Joey Bosa right about Derek Carr? I'm so torn on this one, Tyler. I really am because we've seen Derek Carr for three consecutive weeks stand in there and take pressure, even when there was a big hit coming and lead the Raiders. And then last night, it was like someone flipped the switch right back five <laughs> years. It was watching the same tap dancing turtling Derek Carr that we had seen for so long I don't know what happened in particular last night because it's not the first time that we've seen a rush on Derek Carr throughout the game in 2021 but yet the turtling as he mentioned was bad and I all I just wonder a little bit on that particular play Tyler if the Derek Carr fumbling issues have become such a thing that he almost went into this like pre-reaction of don't fumble when <laughs> he actually still had probably a good couple of yards to try to make uh, an escape from that play so I don't know is Joey Bosa right only Derek Carr knows the answer to that question and I guess we're gonna find out as the season goes on because now we've seen both the good and the bad yeah I mean Joey Bosa is right in terms of that's what Derek Carr has been for a large portion of his career but like you said that had not been Derek Carr through the first three games of the year. Derek Carr had been spectacular and had been under pressure and was still throwing the ball down the field and wasn't afraid of pressure. But last night he was, and last night looked a lot like Derek Carr has in the past um, because it was like the other part of it is him throwing short. And we saw that plenty of times again, where it'd be third and eight or longer and he'd throw short of the sticks. Josh Jacobs, I think got targeted five times last night. All of them were just dump offs in the flats, just check down routes, right? We've seen that before where Jalen Richard has had a massive game or a massive season before because he's just the check down back and that's where Derek Carr throws the ball. I think the worst part of the the turtling sack that Joey Bosa was talking about though is it basically took the Raiders out of any chance of going for it because it was third and three before that. And if Derek Carr doesn't take that sack, if Derek Carr, even if he just throws an incompletion, but if he tries to run for it or something, if he doesn't lose six yards, it's fourth and short or fourth and medium, and the Raiders are down two scores in the fourth quarter, they probably go for it. They probably give themselves a much better chance to win that game by going for it in that situation. But because Carr took the sack and now it's fourth and nine, John Gruden decided to kick a 52-yard field goal instead. So even just situationally, like that's a spot where the Raiders need Derek Carr not not even really need him to make a play just not take the sack just do something that gives them a chance for a fourth down play and by taking that sack and by basically admitting defeat two seconds before he actually got sacked he gave he threw away any chance for the Raiders to actually go for it and maybe come back and win that game and I don't even know that you need to get that far into the what ifs to see the greater picture of what happened last night for both of these franchises 
because we have two franchises that have the reputation of being pretenders that have to be exposed at some point during the year, right? The Chargers, I mean, it, it's it's just rough to go back over just the last <laughs> few years of the Chargers and the Anthony Lynn uh, clock management situations and just all the various ways they have found to blow games, even against the Raiders just last year. And they showed toughness in that when it looked like the Raiders were going to make a comeback and come all the way and tie the game, the Chargers held firm. Brandon Stilley made a huge decision at midfield to go for it on fourth down. They went up by 14 points, and that was about the end of it. And at least the Chargers could come out of the game saying, hey, not the same old Chargers. Well, now the Raiders are facing the are these the same old Raiders questions. And what you just mentioned about Derek Carr takes the sack and then John Gruden gives in to his worst John Gruden instincts and kicks the field goal and Daniel Carlson misses. So when it comes down to it, now you have the Chargers have people saying, well, you know, I think maybe this could be different. And for the Raiders, yeah, everybody's saying, yeah, okay, same Derek Carr, same John Gruden. Uh, here we go again. On the fourth down decisions, because Gruden kicks on fourth and nine and kicks the 52-yard field goal that Carlson misses. And then right after that, the Chargers have the ball at midfield. It's fourth and two, and they decide to go for it. Uh, do you think, like, is that just a good example of Brandon Staley versus John Gruden and the decisions that those two coaches are going to make throughout the course of a season and throughout the course of their careers? The interesting part came out of listening to John Gruden's press conference, Tyler. He mentioned Brandon Staley. He mentioned just how aggressive the Chargers were. That they were really going <laughs> for it. That they really wanted this game. I don't know that John Gruden looked at that and realized this is just what NFL head coaches do now. They go for it on these fourth and shorts near midfield. And got to be honest, it, it actually was not the greatest play call. And yet it still worked out for them, right? Like going to Jared Cook in that spot, it took a great play and a yeah. great catch because Denzel Perryman had reasonably good coverage on the play. So it, I don't think John Gruden understood the way the Chargers were looking at this, which is less, we got to go for a big play and just, yeah, this is just smart. All right, so let's talk about the offensive line because the Raiders elected, they made the choice to blow up their offensive line this season. Rodney Hudson, uh, Trent Brown, uh, all of them gone. Well, except for Colton Miller. Uh, they made that choice, and it was sort of a gamble on, okay, we need to get better defensively. We need to spend money other places. Let's try to work around a much cheaper offensive line. The offensive line had not been good through the first three games, but like we talked about yesterday, Derek Carr was able to play around it, and John Gruden's scheme around the offensive line issues. Then last night happens. There's no running game again to speak of, and Derek Carr is old Derek Carr, where the pressure just completely rattles him. So we're looking at it now four weeks into the season. They're 3-1. and one. We've seen a few weeks of Derek Carr handling it well. We've seen one week of him not handling it well. Does the offensive line ultimately sink the Raiders out of the playoffs completely, or does it just keep them, you know, or do you, do you think they can scheme and play around it the rest of the season? You know, I had to think about why last night jumped out at me in such a huge way. And it was less about, oh no, old Derek Carr. And it was more about why is it that the line held up in those first three games and they didn't last night? And the difference is the blitz. 
the first three games, Derek Carr was being blitzed relentlessly by three of the most blitz-heavy teams in the NFL. Well, what does that create? One-on-one matchups. It creates obvious ways to get rid of the ball. It creates situations where Derek Carr probably is confident, and I think that's the enormous word, in the advantages he has in trying to push the ball down the field a little bit because we also saw that his depth of target against the Blitz was in the double digits. Like, he's really trying to push the ball when he had pressure on him from the Blitz. But here's the difference last night. The Chargers were getting home with four. The Chargers were getting home with Joey Bosa um, really baptizing Alex Leatherwood uh, and, and in a way that even Alex Leatherwood, having been bad before, hadn't really exposed. So I think the difference, and we might see this play out over the course of the season, is that if teams try to blitz the Raiders, they try to blitz Derek Carr. Well, we saw this year by his PFF grades, his PFF grades went up by about uh, 15 points or so if you blitz him. If you can get home with four and make things a little more complicated for him down the field, that might be where you start to see more of the old Derek Carr. So drop seven and just play zone coverage behind a four-man rush and the Raiders might not have a good offense the entire season? But can you get your four-man rush home? That's the question. Because we also saw the Chargers go a little stupid uh, come the third quarter when they had their 21-0 lead. Um, And I got to give credit to uh, Chris Long on Twitter for for pointing this out. First, uh, on the long Derek Carr to Henry Ruggs reception, um, Joey Bosa dropped into coverage. He was in the flat. Uh, that is maybe the least effective use of an advantage that I've ever seen within a game. Like, Joey Bosa should be ears pinned back, don't care about the run, go get Derek Carr every single time if Alex Leatherwood is within 15 feet of him. So, in that case, I think the Chargers actually gave the Raiders some help because I think we saw when Derek Carr had time to stand in the pocket, he looked everything like he had looked the first three weeks of the season. But then they started getting home with four again, and that was the difference. I do not have an answer for this question. I don't really even know where to begin. Do you have any idea why this team is so bad in the first quarter offensively? I, I want to default to John Gruden scripts run plays, but I don't know that it's that simple because – We've seen Derek Carr be able to work around it, but I think the combination that we saw last night in particular was scripted run plays plus pressure with four or pressure with five in some cases. They did bring a a blitzer up the middle at some point to make sure they couldn't help Alex Leatherwood through most of the first half, but I have to think it's some combination of that. Um, And I'm a little concerned. You tell tell me what you think about this. The idea of, yeah, we have an idea what it is, and we're gonna sh- we're gonna deal with it privately. Oh Derek yes, Car- Derek quote, Carr said last that night. Quote. That was like that is like alarm bell ringing. The yeah, we're gonna deal with it privately about our slow starts because he could be just accidentally phrasing that poorly, and it just means yeah, we have an idea of what schematically we're doing wrong or what we need to call differently to fix it. I just don't want to tell the media that because then other teams might pick up on it. But when you say we need to discuss it privately, it sounds like, yeah, my coaches are idiots or the offensive line is doing something still like it sounds like he wants to rip somebody and just won't do it, even though there might be a very benign reasoning for the reason he said that. There entirely could be. And we have to keep in mind that this is kind of Derek Carr, right? Like there, there have been some weird choices of words in the past. So maybe you give him that benefit of the doubt. But I don't know that Derek Carr can share privately these numbers 
and have anyone not already know what they mean. Uh, 39.4, 32.4, 47.5, 36.6. Those are Alex Leatherwood's PFF grades uh, (laughs) thus far. And I don't mean to entirely single out Alex Leatherwood, but Colt Miller on the other side has been just fine. Uh, Andre James has been a disaster in the middle. Alex Leatherwood has been a disaster inside a dumpster fire on the right side. And, you know, I I don't know what else to say about that. I'm not going to get too deep into John Simpson or Jordan Simmons because we know they're replacing Richie Incognito. So what is it about this Raiders offensive line that, that is private? Because there's nothing private about the fact that they can't run block. And that was on display for everyone in the first four weeks. I don't know about the pass blocking, but there's nothing private about that. All right, coming up next, we'll jump into the Major League Baseball playoffs. The first wild card game is tonight. The Yankees are in Finley. It's it'll be a two-two to Judge. Wade at third, Rizzo at second, one out, scoreless. Bottom of the ninth. Pitch swung on and lined up the middle, and the throw home is not in time. Ball game over. Yankees win. The Yankees win and go to the playoffs. It was a hot shot up the middle that actually tore of Kittred's glove. Racing it in to pick it up was Lau. He threw home late. Wade scores and the Yankees win one nothing to go to the playoffs. Wow. Major League Baseball playoffs start tonight with the Yankees and Red Sox in the AL wildcard game. Uh, Adam, I got to share a conspiracy theory with you uh, that I saw on TikTok, and that is that Kevin Cash did not walk Aaron Judge in the ninth inning because he wanted the Yankees to win because he did not want to have to face the Blue Jays in the ALDS. Okay. Are you not, you're not um, buying it? Okay. Just curious. Major League Baseball conspiracy theories on a platform where I would assume 99% of the regular users never watch a Major League Baseball game. Interesting. There's actually a um, lot of Major League Baseball on TikTok. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, Kevin Cash didn't walk Aaron Judge in that kids. spot because they wanted to get home. The game was meaningless to them. So, yeah, okay. All right, let, let's let's get on to, you know, let, let's go full Belichick here. We're we're on to Boston. Yeah. You got what didn't want to play the Red Sox or the excuse me, the Blue Jays. They would rather take the Red Sox to the Yankees. Um why don't you have any confidence in Garrett Cole to dominate tonight? Uh because it was about two plus months ago that Garrett Cole gave up three homers and five runs and five innings in Fenway. Uh Maybe because Garrett Cole has close to a five ERA overall against the Red Sox this year. Um, maybe because Garrett Cole's last start, he got shelled to the point where he gave up more extra base hits in a single start that he had in his entire career. So those are many things that that worry me about Garrett Cole. And then on the other side, um, ever since Nathan Evaldi left the New York Yankees, he has become. Cy Young and old Haas Radborn in one package. Uh, he is everything the Yankees cannot hit, right-handed velocity. So all of those things lead me to believe this is uphill sledding for New York. Okay, let me ask you this way. If the Yankees are at their best, and we saw them go on a significant win streak and get hot at the end of the year, is the Yankees' best the best in the American League? Oh, God, not even close. No. 
Oh, goodness, no. No, look. The Yankees are a team that are built to hit home runs, period. They cannot manufacture any offense. And so if you are able to pitch them like the Rays did in this past series and hit your spots and be able to pitch fastballs at the top of the zone, sliders low and away, the Yankees are not going to score runs. Now, on the other side of the ball, they are abysmal defensively. They have run into the most outs on the bases in all of baseball, including the most outs at home plate. Um, their bullpen is better now than it was for a good stretch of the year, but they're still down Zach Britton and don't really have all the pieces in place that they expected to, including our oldest Chapman being a total roll of the dice every time he goes onto the mound. So the New York Yankees best is not better than Houston's best. I frankly don't even think it's better than Boston's best when, uh, when you put it together. Uh, the New York Yankees' second or third best is still better than this putrid White Sox team that you have the luck of facing. Jared, who is more pessimistic about their favorite team, Adam Candy or Ed Graney? Me with the Chiefs. But, no, it's 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 Ed Graney. I, I think Adam's more pessimistic, but he also has more reason to be pessimistic. No, Ad, Adam has some, like, logic to it. Right, he's, he's got not... more reason behind it, but he's very pessimistic. Like, the, the, he's been telling us for two months the Yankees weren't even going to get here, and now they're here, and he's still How close were they win. to not getting here, Tyler? It's not, like the, it's not like they made the playoffs by five games. They had to have Aaron Judge hit the ball off the pitcher's glove in the ninth inning of the last game to avoid game 163. Yeah, they're here, though. They're here. Hey, they yes. got they got to game. They could have gone to game one sixty three. That's pretty didn't. good. Yeah, they're good. Yeah, like, that's super fantastic for for a team with one of the five highest payrolls in baseball. The, just, the Cleveland Guardians didn't even come close. <laughs> I just I am used to dealing with Ed, who is paranoid about every single matchup that they ever play, the Dodgers ever play, even though they're the best team in baseball and. Now I get Adam, who has been just hating on the Yankees for months, even though they're in the playoffs. Granted, the Dodgers are much better than the Yankees. It's just I just have very pessimistic co-hosts about their favorite baseball teams. Did you watch many Yankee games this year, Tyler? Uh, only the ones they played the Astros and eh, a few other ones. But yeah, not yeah. many. So mostly you did not have the day-to-day experience of watching this team, which was... Super high highs, 13-game winning streak, super low lows, seven-game winning streak to follow it. Like, that, this team is either great or terrible, and that's what's terrifying about them. I was texting with a friend of mine who is a Yankees fan and saying, look, they could lose all of these games to the Rays and not make the playoffs in the final week of the regular season, or they could win the World Series, and neither would really shock me all that much because they can play very good baseball, but... The problem for them is if they get past tonight, they're going to face the team that they have no answer for in Tampa Bay. So their toughest challenge is actually going to be getting out of the division series. I have way more confidence in the Yankees in every round that they can advance. But a one-game playoff at Fenway against Nathan Evaldi is about as low as my confidence gets. And then you get a little bit better as it goes on. So yes, if you're wondering, am I saying, do I think they have a better chance against the Astros and the Rays? They have a hundred percent better chance against the Astros than against the Rays. All right. Who do you think is actually winning the American league? I do think the Astros are winning the American league. I, I, I don't think this Rays team is for real. I haven't thought this Rays team was for real all year. You can't tell me that a team who runs the 
starting nine that this team does every day out onto the field is the best team in the American League, and yet they won 100 games in the toughest division in baseball. So I feel like I'm saying things that go completely against the facts, but every time I watch the Rays, I can't figure out how they're doing it. So I think in the end, the Astros have the young starting pitching to be able to hold off this Rays team. I do think that it's probably like Rays in seven in the ALCS. Rays or Astros? I'm sorry, Astros okay. in seven in the ALCS. My apologies. So how how long are we going to do this? Because we both have the same thoughts on the Tampa Bay Rays, even though they won the most games in the American League last year, went to the World Series, won the most games in the American League this year. Like, how long are you and I going to both act like they're not good, even though they're very clearly good at this sport? <sighs> <laughs> the problem was last year it was Randy Rice who was giving us all of these problems. And now this year... It's like they were floundering along on offense, and then it's like, yeah, we don't have money to make a trade. Oh, let's bring up Wander Franco. Uh, and then they have a guy who had a 43-game on-base streak through August and September. Like, they keep supplementing this team from the farm system that somehow produces fruit no matter what they water the tree with. It's unbelievable. <laughs> so I guess, I guess we're going to have to continue pretending as long as... Razor in the playoffs and then rooting against them in the World Series, I guess. I, I just don't believe they're good. All right. On the National League side, really quick, are the Dodgers going to make it? Uh, same way that the Yankees had their toughest challenge tonight. I think the Dodgers have their toughest challenge tonight. This St. Louis team is the Rays of the National League. No one can figure out how they're winning right now. Um, and Adam Wainwright had. had... Uh oh. Oh, no. Clean feed went down. All right. We'll take a break. We'll try to get Adam Candy back up running on clean feed and talk to David Roth next. Is Tyler a know-it-all? Can you prove him wrong? Tweet at Bischoff underscore Tyler and at Ed Graney. We're happy to talk to him. He just seems happy to talk to anyone. David Roth from The Defector is with us on the press box. Subscribe to The Distraction on Stitcher and use the promo code DISTRACT for a free month of Stitcher Premium. Good morning, David. How are you today? I'm good. How are you guys? We're good. Uh, have you ever seen a sporting event played indoors have a weather delay? Uh, that was a new one on me. Um, it was really interesting to learn about it. It sounded like the more I heard about the design of the like $5 billion project, it was kind of like um, one of those like outdoor dining areas that people were throwing up last <laughs> spring where there was just kind of like a bunch of plywood and then just like a tarp taped to the top of it. I really would have thought they would close the roof effectively, but I, maybe that's something that they're going to uh, work on down the line. Maybe that costs another $5 billion. Uh, away from SoFi Stadium and football and things that don't really matter in the end, um, Agree with Tyler and me that despite winning 100 games and having the best record in the American League, the Rays are actually terrible. I've been, I was talking to some friends about this yesterday. Uh, I'm, I feel like I need to do some work on my opinion with the Rays because my instinct is, yes, they're terrible. Um, I don't really love watching them. Uh, they're at least scoring runs this year. Last year's team was mostly stressful, and I can appreciate that. Like, they were good. But it was kind of, uh, I don't know, it was more of a kind of like watching a video gamer do a speed run sort of experience than it was watching a baseball game to me. <laughs> In this case, I think that like 
they've clearly figured something out, right? Like, they're undeniable. I just, I don't know that I have to like it. So I'm trying to get my head around what, like, a, uh, what peace with honor looks like there. Because if I'm going to be spending the entire postseason, uh, like, watching them on TV and fuming, then I'm signing up for a bad month. Because I don't think they're going anywhere. Like, they, they really are good. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, terrible in the sense that, like, they just make you feel weird. Like, what's the, what's the beef? The beef uh, with the Rays is that every time you watch them, you have no idea how they're winning baseball games. Uh, yeah, like you, that's true. Like, like it's the third inning. Kevin Cash is pulling Ryan Yarborough after he's given up four hits and somehow allowed no runs. And he's starting the parade of JT Chargois out of the bullpen. And yeah, all of a sudden you look Kittredge up. Experience. <laughs> the Andrew Kittredge experience. The Andrew Kittredge experience. And by the way, with that beard, it is one. Uh, like, yeah. you, you, you look up in the eighth inning, they're up three to one. You're like, wait, how did we get here? Yeah. I mean, it was, I think last year, it, again, like it felt more annoying because like they would be up three to one and be like, who drove these runs in? That was uh, Joey Wendell, was it? Terrific. <laughs> right. like, just another like random name generator guy, just like some <laughs> <laughs> like, produced from like some sort of goatee algorithm that is operating deep within the game. In this case, it's like, at least I know who Nelson Cruz is, you know? So that's just, like a step in the right direction. But yeah, th- that style of... Like, basically, like, no starters and then just, like, super optimizing your bullpen for... I mean, again, like, can't say it doesn't work, but, like, I think you'd have to be kind of a pervert to enjoy a game where this is, like, seven relievers throwing, like, fastballs up and sliders down over and over and over again. Like, it has a a button-mashing element to it that I don't care for. Uh, Devin Williams uh, fractured his hand punching a wall after the Brewers clinched. Uh, what's the dumbest baseball injury you can remember? Well, sure. When you say it that way, you make it sound stupid. <laughs> we have no idea of the broader circumstances. Some walls are very hostile. Uh, it's, <laughs> I think the dumbest... So there's a bunch of like ones that I think in retrospect, at least Devin Williams, presumably there were enough witnesses that he had to be like, yeah, I had six beers and I fought a wall. It's very embarrassing. Like, obviously, this isn't what you want. There's been so many of these other injuries that players have tried to get away with since, like, I've been paying attention to it anyway, that were clearly not that, but because it's like you're just taking Jeff Kent's word for it. So he's like, yeah, I was washing my, uh, my ATV and an elk um, gored me. So I can't, uh, or like Clint Barnes, <laughs> like, falling down the stairs while carrying a bunch of venison. Like, all of those things are probably some version of I had six beers and fought a wall, but because it's just like it's one source, so it's like you know whatever you got to take Clint Barmus uh, at his word that he was carrying too much meat up the stairs and then had some sort of Looney Tunes accident as a result. I love just having a Clint Barmus callback. Period. That's awesome. Honestly, um, that's I feel like that's me doing what I'm here to do. Yeah, you know, like the rest point. of this stuff, I'm really not that knowledgeable. I think everybody knows the listeners don't care for me. I've seen the data, but I do remember Clint <laughs> Barmus pretty well. No, here's the thing. We we also, I mean, that's sort of the uh, the crux of Tyler and I doing shows. We've all seen the data, and we don't care. Uh, that's yeah. that's our opinion <laughs> I on the race. That very much. Yeah. Um, it, when it comes to um, having six beers and fighting a wall, I feel like that's Max Scherzer's offseason activity uh, in getting ready for another year. What do you think about the uh, the Dodgers and the Cardinals tonight? I, Wednesday. you know, it's it's weird. Like, the that game should be, I, I mean, it seems like it should be a layup for the team that won 105 games during the regular season. 
anybody that pays enough attention to this knows to be afraid of the Cardinals in October, just on principle. They also have this kind of disconcerting number of guys that have made Dodgers fans upset in the recent past. Like, if I were a Dodgers fan and I looked at that lineup and I saw Arenado and Goldschmidt, like, I would be nervous, too. I think the Dodgers are better, uh, but the Cardinals just didn't lose for a month, you know? Like, I, it, it's hard to say. Like, I think, for me, like, I have a good deal of faith in the Dodgers, even without, you know, without Muncy for however long they're without him, like, even maybe without uh, Kershaw for as much of the postseason as they might be missing him. They're just really, really good. And I think they sort of are, in a bizarre way, underrated because of how freakishly brilliant the Giants were. So, like, the Dodgers were roughly as good as them for a month and made up one game in the standings. Like, to be that good and also still have to play in a wild card game in a one-off against a team that was, like, in third place a month and a half ago is, I mean, it's baseball, but I, I want to believe that the Dodgers will be rewarded for it. I mean, obviously, the, the thing that we're all signing up for is the Cardinals somehow winning the World Series and everybody having to be like, wow, it's inspiring and such great fans, too. Yes. But... <laughs> Are the are the Dodgers special enough that if they lose tonight or tomorrow after winning 105 games that there will be a new playoff format introduced immediately afterwards? Oh, I would love if they got the the Kobe treatment where like they were just sort of like, oh yeah, all the wild card series are uh, seven games now, <laughs> and like, everybody else gets to go on vacation for a bit. I think that would be uh, like at this point, the Cardinals still have like a you know, enough cachet that I don't think Major League Baseball would do that. Now, if the Dodgers were eliminated in a one-game playoff somehow by, like, the Reds and everybody just – and then, like, all the people at MLB are scrambling to, like, find something interesting about the Reds, <laughs> then that would maybe then, you know, that would reach uh, Rob Manfred's desk. As it is, I feel like any of this stuff that's, like, designed to, you know, make baseball a more uh, appealing fan experience, that's pretty low on the list for any of the people making decisions. They're mostly just sort of like, what if we, like, everybody has to get the same haircut, all right? And you can't throw a change up anymore. Like, it's just like tweak after weird tweak. <laughs> this one at least would have a purpose. Can we all agree that the only unacceptable outcome of this Major League Baseball postseason is Tony La Russa winning anything? Uh, I mean, well, we were, I was, again, talking to friends about this yesterday. I think the most cursed outcome imaginable is... White Sox Cardinals in the World Series, and the whole thing is just La Russa discourse. Oh. Like, how does this feel for Tony? Like, being back in St. Louis, so many memories. You know, like, something like Joe McEwing comes out before a game and, like, gives him a, whatever, a bottle of Johnny Walker Blue or something. And you just have to everybody has to be like, wow, it's so moving. That's incredible. I think La Russa, to me, like, it was for a while early in the season. I remember we were talking about this, like, when he would just routinely forget the rules of baseball. And it was like every time I was on with you guys, we were just sort of like, so, like, when's he getting fired? Like, is this going to happen? Is he just going to stop showing up someday? And, like, people are going to notice that he's in Arizona playing golf now, and they'll have to find another guy. And yet, like, it's real. I mean, the White Sox, I'm not sure how good they are, but, like, definitely won their division. Like, we're definitely in for a week of La Russa discourse, no matter what. So... Which baseball manager was most likely to be videotaped at a restaurant and bar with a 24-year-old grinding on him while he has wandering fingers? What's funny about that to me is that if baseball managers got in trouble for being uh, 
corny in steakhouses, there would be no managers in baseball. <laughs> like, I feel like that's every, like, Gabe Kapler wouldn't do it because he wouldn't be in a steakhouse, but, like, to say that that wouldn't happen at Cappy Gratitude, like, I can't roll that out. Like, there's all <laughs> kinds of ways that this could go. It just seems like with college football coaches that go to the NFL, like, I don't know why that personality doesn't translate so well, because these guys were, like, Urban Meyer was the most famous person in two pretty big states for a decade and a half. And then as soon as you put him in charge of an NFL team, suddenly he's like, just, yeah, like you said, um, touching the inside of some weirdo's thighs (laughs) near, like, whatever, a plate of charcuterie. Like, he couldn't, he never did that when he was at Ohio State, or he never got in trouble for it. But as soon as you, like, give him the glamour of the Jacksonville Jaguars job, he can't control himself. I don't know. God, God, it it just... It makes me think that we have to combine the last two things we just talked about and say, "Where's the Larusa video? Like, where, there, where's I, the Larusa video?" All these photos of him. I remember from before the season where he had like, "This is." I'm sorry to interrupt, but I just want to get this out there. Uh, there's a picture of him from a restaurant that somebody. I don't know if they sent it to us or if it was just circulating online. So he's at a steakhouse. He has like four different drinks in front of him. He's got like a vodka rocks, a red wine, like a coffee. And then, like, what, like a bottle of Gatorade or something. You're just sort of like, this guy has never, like, how does he indoors? Like, how does he know how to act at all? Interesting. Right. It's, it's almost like uh, he's got the alcohol there. He's got the, the coffee sort of pre-hangover. And then he's got an endorsement deal to make sure that, uh, you know, the Gatorade bottle is pr- placed appropriately with the label turned the right way. Yeah. I mean, I love the idea of, like, calling the sommelier over and being like, so what... Uh, straight liquor would you recommend I have with this red and this coffee? Uh, so this is an espresso. Is that So that's more if you want something with tannins. You want a Cabernet then, right? All right. You gave us the playoff matchup you least want to see in the World Series. What, do you, what would you want to see the most? I think of the teams that are, I mean, like, there's some that I, I like and admire, and then there's some that I like less. I, for some reason, I can't get fired up. I should be more excited about the Giants because it's weird that they're winning the way that they're winning. I just kind of don't like it. Like, I have enough memories of the the even number stuff, uh, you know, the decade before last, and, like, it just was never really that fun to me. I think the Brewers are pretty neat. I wouldn't mind that. And I feel like if you're going to have a heel in the World Series, I'd rather it be the Rays than the Astros, I think. I just don't want to – so, like, if it were the Brewers and the Rays and it was two uh, conflicting versions of – being competitive in a smaller market, I guess I could talk myself into that. I mean, baseball-wise, what you want is, like, Dodgers and Astros because they're the best teams, you know? But I also, like, I've seen that one already. I didn't really like it that much. So I think I'll know better in a couple of weeks once I've developed some irrational hatred for the teams that survived the wild card weekend. I have have a lot of work to do there. He is David Roth. It is uh, Defector.com. David, thank you so much for joining us. Appreciate it, guys. Have a good one. All right, coming up next, Ed Grady joins the show. Do you want to schedule a parent-teacher conference after hearing Grady's grades? Call the Press Box voicemail and let us know. 702-720-4678 and let us know who deserves a higher grade. Grady's grades. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Grace, grace. Everyone in this room is now dumber 
for having listened to it. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. Grady's Graves. All right, Ed, we got to do this quickly. I know. We got to go fast. We got to go fast. First I'll topic. Just, to I'll, just end it, I'll end it at CD, complete disaster. Okay. CD. First topic to grade the weather delay. D. D. N slash A. Yeah, you spend $5 billion, but you keep the end zones open, so the poor people <laughs> at the top of the uh, stadium might get hit with lightning. I'm not liking the $5 billion. <laughs> It's like everything else was closed, and you had like a thousand people out there. And they had, those are the people who might get maimed by lightning. So we're going to delay the we're going to delay the game. I am going to tell you, I am shocked uh, that you did not bring up your deadline. It was hard because uh, we got delayed for fifty minutes. We couldn't go down. Thank goodness for uh, Heidi Fang and Cassie Soda who sent us quotes from below. Because if not, it would have really been bad. But yeah, it was it was bad. <laughs> D, I, I did put the D in there. I, I guess I'll make that for deadline, but. That's a credit to you because I had no idea what uh, what I was doing. All right. Your next topic to grade is the crowd split or the percentage of fans that were Raiders fans versus Charger fans at the game last night. Uh, F. F. I think the Raiders fans failed. 70-30. That thing should be 90-10. Failed. me? Ooh. That thing should be 90-10. I thought, I, thought uh, I mean, look, they travel well and they were crazy in the, uh, in the tailgates. We went out there and shot some video and they were crazy, but... Uh, yeah, I mean, they own L.A. Uh, people don't realize, if they don't realize it, they should know it now. But uh, I, I wanted a 90-10 split, and the Charger fan showed up a little more than I would have preferred. So so it was 70-30 is what you're saying? It was, yeah, it was 70-30. It was 70-30. It was, it was a lot. I mean, Carlson misses the field goal, and you would have thought, like, it was the home team missing the field goal. I mean, it was like, there was no, like, it didn't seem like there was much cheering at all when you missed that field goal. So I'm like, uh, now you know Raiders fans are packing this place. Uh, next topic for you, Hunter Renfro. Oh, you know what? He gets a B minus. Now the play on the B fake punt was minus. amazing. The, fa- the fake punt play is amazing. He recognized the only ten, and the guy was unprotected. So to like have that instinct and go up, but he dropped a. I don't think it was a first down pass. People were giving him a hard time early. I don't think he was at the sticks because he was short, but he still dropped it. And then he admitted after the game, the six yard uh, sack that Carr took. The Carr was like falling down five feet before the uh, rusher even got to him. Uh, <laughs> Hunter Renfro said he ran a bad route and Carr could have seen him, but he ran the wrong route, so that's why Carr got sacked. So he can't get an A because he admitted afterwards he totally screwed up at a, at a very important part of the game. All right, well, give me a grade on Joey Bosa and his quote after the game. Oh. A plus, A plus. A plus, quote, A plus. But for Adam Hill pounding out a story in 30 minutes at about midnight in a hotel bar to get that on the site for what Joey Bosa said. so And if you look at the picture, I, I think Carr's literally falling down before the guys within 10 feet of him, and it was weird. Uh, so the A is for Bosa, and A is for Adam Hill. I don't like giving Adam Hill A's around here. <laughs> I know you, you you despise A's. <laughs> I mean, who would have predicted Adam Hill at a hotel bar? <laughs> <laughs> Getting an A because he was writing Joey Bosa as the rest of us were doing podcasts? <laughs> um is Urban? Does uh, Adam Hill act like Urban Meyer at a hotel bar? No, 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 no. We're doing podcasts. <laughs> He's doing the story. Podcast. They're doing. Uh, Heidi's doing a podcast. Cassie's doing or uploading her videos. No, it's all work. It's all who, work. Who was working more with their fingers at a bar, Urban Meyer or Adam Hill writing a story? 
Um, U-M. <laughs> N slash A. Yeah. Uh, next topic for you, the taunting call against Darren Waller. F, no fun league. F. Who cares? Yeah, so guys can do flips and end zones and high-five everyone and jump in the crowds at Lambeau, but the guy can't throw the ball down after he was struggling early, and I think that's completely stupid. They almost got him on a second one. Uh, when he did it later in the game, she had to warn him. that I mean, if she throwing him out, it would have been the all-time worst thing ever for the league, but uh, I give it an F. Darren Waller ejected for spiking yeah, the ball twice. For, for spiking the ball. What a joke. <laughs> the So I don't know what you guys heard or knew in the press box, but the I don't remember who the referee was, but the referee they bring on to sort of help uh, the announcers right. was they were talking about not being allowed to spike it near the opponent's bench. And apparently okay. it's it's dangerous to spike it near the opponent's bench. He actually spiked it back under the field. So w- with all that equipment on, I think they would have been okay if it like might have bounced back and hit him in the leg or something like that. So, so wait, the premise is, oh my God, it's a football. Yes. Yeah, yes. exactly. Yes. They never see any of those. Uh, next topic for you, the Raiders offensive line. Oh, F. You've F. talked about it often. You've actually given the Pro Football Focus Awards, and they're even worse and Adam and I were talking last night. I mean, I mean, Alex Leatherwood can only go go up because he's just he's just terrible right now. But I don't know how much he can go up. Like I don't know how much better. You know, I'm sure you've talked about this right now. How much better can he get? I don't I don't know over the course of a season. So they're really bad right now, and it really shows that Richie Incognito has absolutely killed them being hurt. He's just that, that the last two years has killed them with that guy out. Does Richie Incognito play a game this year? You got like 30 seconds. I think no. Yeah, I mean, how can you say yes? He hasn't played in so long. I mean, he's got the worst calf injury in the history of calf injury. So I'm going to say no. And I mean, I'll probably be wrong like I am about most things, but I don't know how you can say yes given he's had, had like 12 snaps in the last two years. All right. Mike Trout would like a word, by the way. <laughs> quick grade, quick grade, less than five seconds. How's the airport? A for LAX. Oh, how, hey. how early did you get there? Three hours ahead? Okay, so I got here two hours. Don't, don't kill me. Don't kill me. <laughs> 